What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk It Out Podcast. This is your girl, Gabby. And Katie. Don't forget to hit us up on our social medias, Facebook at Talk It Out Podcast, Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast, and Twitter at Talk It Out underscore pod. Today, we have a wonderful guest who is a, a friend, a longtime friend of the Talk It Out Podcast family. She's been on T.O. Black multiple times, but she's never been on Talk It Out Podcast. So we have her here today. Everybody, welcome Haven. Yeah. Woo! Hey. Alright. Hey. Alright, Haven, tell some people that might not know you by now a little bit about yourself and a little bit of what you're doing and where they can find you. Okay, well, I am, as you said, Haven, everybody's favorite devil's advocate. Um, I am a a geospatial human and cultural geographer by day, and just a full-on pain in the ass by night, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm actually revamping my own podcast, which is Where It Counts podcast. You can find that on SoundCloud, and you can also find me on Twitter at um, Ides of Haven and all that good stuff. So, ever you want to yell at me about some problematic shit I've said, that's probably the best place to do it. Okay. And I'll probably spend like seven hours arguing with you about it, depending <laughs> on if I got time or not. Check her out, follow her, all that good stuff. Let her know that we sent you. So, um, today yeah. we're going to be talking about a couple of topics. Joy's not here, so. Um, I know you are depressed. We're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about, um, this is kind of piggybacking off last episode. Um, should we hold people accountable for things they've said in the past? And when I say the past, I say uh, maybe about five or six years ago. Um, should we hold people accountable for that? Um, and then we're going to talk about... Um, drugs because um, drugs are you know pretty big. It was, it was, hey, drugs get addicted. Yeah, I mean, drugs, drugs are they're they're popping right now. You know, it's, so we, it was just four twenty. So it was just four twenty. So we we're keeping it on 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 the uh, this occasion. So we're gonna talk about the decriminalization of all drugs, not just marijuana. Everybody, we know everybody's for that. We're gonna talk about the hard drugs like heroin, meth cocaine stuff like that so we're going to get into this first topic so um there's this guy um this young 22 year old activist jamal green who is a part of um the black lives matter movement who's been doing some activism in um in america in chicago he is running for chicago mayor now and um as this came out um somebody uh went back into his twitter um timeline and found some very bad tweets dating back to 2013 2015 2012 2016 a couple examples of stuff he's wrote he said i'm blaming women for how our guys are and violence if women stopped messing with thugs we'd have less thugs slash gang members don't get me wrong, Chris was wrong, but Rihanna was too. He ain't hit her for nothing, and she almost destroyed him with them interviews. We found love in a swollen face by Rihanna. Yeah. My face is clear, my eyebrows are natural, never arch, cause that's gay. 
I love light-skinned women. That's who I mostly date. If you dark, you have to be fine for me to date you. A gay guy doesn't have straight guy best friends unless they are curious. Real talk. But come on, being around an openly gay man and his friends all the time with no problems, he's curious. If a straight guy has a gay best friend, that straight guy is confused and curious about liking guys. If you agree, disagree, then reply. Anyways, uh, 2016, there's some stuff from 2012. Anyways, this guy, he came up with a whole thread and said, um, you know, even if the guy's views have changed or something like that, even if he's grown, is this somebody you would want to be your mayor of Chicago? So, so what do you guys think about it? Um, what, what do you think about going back into someone's feed and finding problematic things and um, commenting on them? Do you think it's, it's fair to do? I mean, I don't know if it's fair or not, but I know it's inevitable. Strictly off of, if you're going to, unfortunately, we have this thing where if you're in the public eye and somebody doesn't like you, they hate you enough, they will sit down and spend as much time as they can to find something that they can place against you. Right. But I think it goes, it goes without saying that, yes, everybody should hold others accountable for what they have said. And more so, people should hold themselves accountable for what they've said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that where the issue, kind of the gray area lies is giving people the opportunity to speak for themselves and their past self. Okay. Because... People, people do change. People do change their mind. People do grow. And I think that people deserve to express that and show their growth or show that they don't grow. Like, I think if, if he really feels that way today, he should have the opportunity to be man enough to be like, yeah, I don't like gay people and I don't like dark women. And that's how I feel even like 15 minutes ago. Like, mm-hmm. he could have that and then we can address him accordingly. And I only say that because... I am a problematic person. Like, I'm somebody who, like, I, I've said this in past discussions and even in, like, random brain droppings on Twitter where I used to be transphobic and I used to be biphobic. Uh-huh. And, like, and it's, and this is not, like, a long time ago. Like, I, I don't think I've ever, I didn't become, like, a serious advocate for trans people, at least, until, like, 2016. This is a real recent development for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, except bisexual people and their sexuality until, like, 2015 for various personal and non-personal reasons. Okay. But, and I know that, like, on my Twitter feed, if anybody were to go digging, they're definitely going to find some shit. Like, I say things. But if somebody were to wage that against me, I would I would want the opportunity to prove that I'm not that person anymore. Oh, but I would think, man, if you're running for public... Office, you need to delete everything. I, I would like, say that. Like, if you're going to run for public office, create a brand new Twitter. Okay? Delete that Twitter and create a brand new one. Some people might still be able to pull it up, though. But it just... And then also, like, I feel like if he had... I don't know anything about this guy. But I saw he, he retweeted some Farrakhan stuff, so that tells me a lot. But... I feel like if he was, like, really a proponent in the LGBT community and really was doing stuff like that, people would already come out and say, oh, that was obviously in his past because he's done so-and-so, so-and-so. He's done this. He's done that. You know, like I said, again, I don't know much about the guy, but 
like you said, it is on him to prove it. I don't think we should be in a space where we're like, well, he's just young. He was young. He was young. He said he's not like that, so just leave it alone. No, no, no. Especially if you're finna be a governing person over a whole city which has these dark-skinned people and, and, and gay folks that you don't like. I got to make for sure that you, you don't believe none of that stuff that you said back. Well, I think, I don't know if I, first, I don't know if I agree with deleting everything if you want to be in public office. As some, like, I don't believe in hiding your past demons, mostly because I have them and I have a lot of them. And I firmly believe, like, everybody, everybody's woke now these days. Everybody talks about growth. Right. But everybody talks about growth as if it's like, like a sports montage where you get like, I was an asshole seven weeks ago. and Look at me now. You don't see any of the work that was put into going from one space to the next. I think when you erase your past, it's the same thing as like, you know, people like racist countries trying to erase the fact that they, you know, did a genocide or something like that. Like erasing your past erases people that you offended or afflicted from the opportunity to address you. You're, you're hiding yourself. I think it, it doesn't really do us a service to do that. You know, like it's, and again, you know, because he's, you know, he's passing all this stuff or reposting things from Farrakhan, it's like, okay. And it's recent. It's like, all right, well, maybe you don't legitimately feel that way, but still prove yourself, like prove you've changed. I think the important thing about atonement is actually showing the work of trying to atone for your past aggression. It came out. I'm always glad when this stuff comes out because it allows folks to talk about it, you know. And so hopefully, like I said, he, he will have time to be able to genuinely say how he feels. If he still feels that way, then, you know, he still might get some votes. But, you know, it's 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 good to to be able to know what people really think or how they thought so that you can make a cognitive um, decision on who you want to vote for. Similar to, you know, uh, grab them by the, the P exactly. word. That's important. Um, Trump. Um, <laughs> when his stuff came out. I mean, he didn't really deny it, but you know, it's good to just know this. Right. And I mean, like, yeah. with that, being that forward about your shit, like, the reason why a lot of people like Trump is because he does exactly that. Like, people can be like, oh, well, you said X, Y, and Z in 2015, grab him by the pussy. And he'll be like, yeah, I said it. It's locker room talk, whatever. And he moves uh-huh. on. Like, he's never hiding who he is, like how politicians do. Like, politicians will sit and pretend like, oh, no, I've never called black people super predators. Or that's not yeah. what I meant. But it's like, no, that is what you meant. Just take ownership of it so that I can believe that you actually, like, if you're going to sit here and lie about that, how can I trust that what you're telling me? Is true, even though I agree with what you're telling. Exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. Same sense. It's real. It's true. All right. So uh, let's segue a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about politics, but we're going to talk about um, drugs. You know, 420 recently passed, and everybody's been having a good time. And uh, there's been a lot of conversation on um, decriminalizing marijuana. And it seems like pretty much everybody is on board for that, except for like some conservative folks. So we got that out the way. And people are starting to pass bills to try to get it decriminalized and all that good stuff. But um so now we got we got we got to ask ourselves about these other these other drugs that are still um wrecking a lot of havoc in our communities and still filling up prisons 
Um, so we got to talk about heroin and, and methamphetamine and uh, cocaine and crack and stuff like that. Um, my question to you first is, um, do you think that all hard drugs or some hard drugs should be decriminalized? Or do you think they should just all be illegal forever? Well, if we're going to be realistic, a lot of hard drugs are already decriminalized and they're sold daily as long as you have a prescription. Like, it's, like everybody, everybody knows, like, I don't know, well, I don't, let me not say everybody knows, but um, for those who don't know, Adderall is essentially methamphetamine. So a lot of these drugs are legal. Um, but there's a corporate motive and I, with just weed, I'm not for legalization of it as it's being legalized today. Like, I think that how we're going about legalizing weed right now is a real good test subject for other drugs and looking at what this country is doing, like in Colorado, for instance, um, or anywhere, rarely any state or city that is legalizing weed are taking into account the destruction of it being criminal is has reaped. So they'll legalize weed, but the same people who are in jail for selling weed or distributing weed will never have access to making a legal business out of it once they get out of prison. So people who are actually benefiting from legalizing weed are not the black people who went to jail for it, not the community that have been decimated because of it. It's the tobacco company who spent the majority of the time pushing and lobbying laws to make weed have draconian laws against it in the first place. Right. That's, that's same the thing, yeah. Who, same people put out, like, just Joe, uh, John Boehner the other day, like, once he got out of office, he, like, signed a bond. This is a man who's literally, like, had a direct effect on destroying entire communities based off of weed. Mm -hmm. And now he gets to leave his office and go into this business that has been made able for him to go into. All the while, the same black people who had to suffer his laws are still locked up. We'll never have the opportunity. Like, I, when I did research on this topic, I found out that for a lot of places, for one, it's almost impossible for a regular citizen to start a weed business. Like, mm -hmm. for a lot of states, it costs like upwards to like eighty thousand dollars just to put an application in to wow. be a seller. Wow! Seriously? Right. Yes, it's expensive as fuck. And even then, let's say you have like let's say you can't put up that money yourself, and you have other people to help you invest. For the states that have legal, they have rules where either you or the people that went in the business with you can have uh, a felony on you. So let's say you are you you didn't go to jail for distributing drugs, but your best friend did. He's coming out. He can't invest with you because he has that criminal charge, mm. and that only they'll indulge you. So the system has already been created in a way where it ostracizes the very same people who have maintained this business in the black market, mm. and that's what legalization does. I I would personally want if we're going to legalize it, the city of L.A. Um, when they, in California, legalized their drugs, the city of L.A. provided an option for nonviolent drug offenders to expunge their record and to get out of jail. Okay. Those are the, yeah, those are the types of policies that are needed 
atone for how weed has decimated, you know, families. So you're saying you'd be for uh, decriminalization and possibly legalization if they can make sure that um, people that have been um, criminalized for it, criminalized for it that it's not on their record, they could possibly go into business for it and it's not a big corporate money-hungry thing and that regular people can uh, profit off of it. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't think it's even real legalization when the only people who can benefit from this booming new market are people who have already been benefiting from booming markets. Right. And isn't that that's always how it ends up when you get some some neoliberal to to say that for something. They tell you they're for it. And then when you get through with it, it just ends up being some some scheme to get some more money or to get the corporations involved. Like they say, okay, we're going to legalize it. Okay, it's legalized, and now the corporations are making more money. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to give you more money for this. And it always ends up being some way for the corporations just to make more money. It's like whenever some politician tells you something and it sounds good, it's always too good to be true. It's always some catch to it, it seems like. I always think of those um, (laughs) memes on Facebook that I see, or it's not really a meme. It's, It's real news, actually, not fake news. But basically, they're always saying... Oh, so and so has legalized this drug, or and so and so has done this, uh, and all I can think is, yeah, it's legalized. But are the people that are in jail for that within that community being criminalized still? Are they still in jail? Are you um, doing anything to get them out? Like just because it's legalized doesn't necessarily mean that it's even any helpful at all. And then they say it's like super duper expensive too if you're like buying it from dispenser dispensaries rather than just like buying it from so and so off the street. Like yeah. the, the, the prices yeah. are very high. Yeah, but that's the point. Like when I when I hear and it's funny because it's it's a lot of Democrats and liberals who push this legalization thing. And and to me it's like you're an Armitage. You're one of them you're one of the Armitage family when you do that because you have no consideration these other people and you know that you don't you know that it's it's to benefit businesses it's not to benefit anybody else and these businesses get subsidies you know whereas you know whereas the lay person who wants to start a dispensary or even to grow you know it costs a lot of money to do these startups these other businesses get federal aid to do. Mm-hmm. they have access to, to help that you and i will never have access to good like i feel like once weed is legalized across the board, like that'll be the time when corporations put all these additives and addictive chemicals in it to uh-huh. make it more. And that'll be when everybody starts passing out and like all these other bad shit starts to happen because there's a financial incentive. Yeah, the conversation was started because I watched Drug Inc. a whole lot. Like I just got on a binge where I would just watch it over and over and over. And it would like as i was watching it it would make me so mad because like these people are literally they're selling drugs because they have to it's not because they want to be out there in the streets almost getting killed it's because they literally have to there's no other opportunities in the community there's no other uh like ways that they can help their family out like make more money and things like that but they're still being criminalized for doing what has only been presented to them you know what i'm saying and so like 
I would just get so upset seeing the police talk about, oh, these people are out here in the streets doing this and doing that and blah, blah, blah. And and, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that these people didn't have the opportunity to even do anything else besides this. So how can you sit here and say that, you know, they are less than you or they're not good enough to be uh, out on the streets and doing all these type of things if if you don't even know them? You don't even know their life story or where why they're having to do this. And it, I don't know, it just makes me angry thinking about it. So do I think... It should be legalized, yeah, but of course there's got to be laws in place that's going to actually decriminalize people who are out here with the black market doing it as well. I don't know. I mean, some of that stuff is, like, real hard. Like we said, we know Adderall is, uh, has a lot of the same things as methamphetamine, and people are abusing that. And um, the meth is just so potent and so addictive it's like should should we be able to freely sell that when people could od on it i don't know i, I don't know if it was if it was in a safer environment like i feel like it you know how like whenever you're a kid and your mom was like no don't do that and you wanted to do it because you were not allowed to do it i feel like a lot of times the reason why people do drugs is because there's such like a taboo around it anyway well no because of they like it because of what they it gives them an escape or, I'm saying, yeah, that too. Well, I mean, I um, I just finished reading this book called Unbroken Brain by Maya. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce her last name incorrectly. Maya uh, Salovitz. Yes, okay. Salovitz. And she's a neurologist, and she talks about addiction and how people see addiction. And one of the first myths, myths that she busted for me was, you know, when you think of addicts, you think that, you know, when you think of these hard drugs, you think that it's easily addicting. Uh-huh. And everybody who does it, it's addicted. But what people don't understand is that out of the percentage of people that do get it, like, do take these drugs, the majority of them either grow out of taking them or they quit all on their own okay. without any intervention or anything like that. When we talk about addicts, these are people that, these are very, very extreme cases. And a lot of the time, underneath addiction also comes mental illness. Also comes, um, like she was saying, that a lot of people who are addicts also deal with childhood, uh, you know, childhood trauma and and all kinds of other mental issues and social issues that come with it. So when we talk about legalizing harder drugs, I think we also need to talk about um, dealing with addicts and not in a way that it's criminal, like bringing back mental institutions, bringing back counseling so that people can deal and face with their demons so they're not using these harder drugs to escape. I mean, that's one of the reasons why opioid addiction is going, or is growing so quickly, because a lot of these people are dealing with other issues that have absolutely nothing to do with drugs. To say that, yes, that's definitely a big issue. And, um, like, going back to Drug Inc., I saw this episode where they actually were in Memphis. And speaking on both sides, from, from people that choose to sell drugs or whatever, and people that take drugs, like KT said, there, there's there, all this stuff, it goes together. Memphis is super-duper poor, uh, and the heroin industry is booming there. Because there are no jobs, uh, there's a lot of poverty, 
and they're closing up all the the mental health uh, facilities. So, you know, you get what you get. And because there are no jobs and a lot of people didn't get the best education in public schools, like KT says, that's literally the only way you're going to make a decent living. Because most people are not going to leave the hood in Memphis. It's just it's just not the way it is. So while we do that, we're starting to be a little more compassionate to the users. But we also kind of got to kind of look to the people that are that are dealing the drugs that we deem the bad guys. I mean, unless they're over here just killing folks willy nilly. If they're just doing this to make a living, we also have to look into programs that are going to give people alternative alternative um alternative options like one guy was like um I didn't want to do this I wanted to be a preacher but this is just the way it it turned out and we we gotta we gotta extend sympathy to them as well because like I said a lot of these folks is just the only option they have and then to the drug drug addicts like there was some guy he's been addicted to meth for 30 some years and they were like okay we're taking you into jail Hopefully this will sub you up for like a day or so. But they're just going to release them back out. Like instead of actually investing time and money into, I don't know, actually helping the guy. They're just going to lock them up for a day and then release them back. And then I don't know what they expect to happen next. Like, I, like what was the point? You might as well just let the guy go because you're literally doing nothing to help at all. Not only that are you doing nothing to help, but you're spending more money keeping him in jail as opposed to leaving him out. Like, you're, you're spending tax right. dollars mm-hmm. to keep him in jail when you could be using those tax dollars to put him in a rehabilitation center. Or you could be using right. those instead of putting tax dollars towards um, all these types of police cars that we get brand new every single year that are all 2018s. How come we're not putting that towards people in your community who are freaking dying and overdosing every single day because they're doing drugs? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I just don't well, understand it. It I makes can, me so mad. I can... I can probably answer the thought process to that. Mostly, um, just from what I read in Unbroken Brain, and also what I was listening to on this during this podcast, cracked podcast, where they were talking about why Americans hate the poor, and it's connected. Like we don't see addiction for what it is. Like we see addiction as a morality problem instead yeah. of it being. The actual, like, there's an actual chemical and physical change in your brain when you become addicted to something. It doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be, like, your brain will change and attach itself to anything. Yeah. And that could be because you're genetically predisposed to be addicted to things. Like, a lot of people are facing other other factors, right? Yeah. But with addiction specifically, we see it as a morality issue. Like, if you were a good person, you wouldn't be an addict. It's one of the reasons why 12-step programs are so prevalent. Like, America's answer to addicts and alcoholics is, okay, well, go into this program, tell you, like, tell everybody that you're a bad person and, and atone for it, give your life to Jesus, and then you'll be cured. When that, none of that addresses the actual chemical and physical factors right. of why you're an addict. Which is one of the reasons why 12, 12-step programs don't work. There's a lot of recidivism, recidivism with 12-step programs because they're addressing it like a morality a problem. Yeah. And it's a societal thing. Like, we look at poor people 
as like, oh, you're poor and you're doing X, Y, and Z because you're poor. Well, that's because you're a bad person. And it's not just people who are not in the in poor areas. People within poor areas also look down on these people, mm-hmm. and yeah. and they're like, you know, there there are people in these in these neighborhoods, these poor areas who work every day who aren't addicts, and they see somebody else that's an addict, and they're like, well, you know, I go to work, I work three or seven jobs, and I'm stuck here in this fucking trailer park with this asshole who just gets his disability check and blows it on alcohol and drugs. That's bullshit. But people don't understand that, for one, not everybody is going to get addicted to drugs, so you're lucky that you're not predisposed to be in that situation. Right. And also, with poverty, it's like, all this, to me, all of this is connected to capitalism. Yeah. And I don't think people want to be realistic about capitalism. And I'm not going to go on my social socialist Marxist soapbox, but I do feel like we need to be realistic. Capitalism cannot exist without poverty. Right. It can't. Yep. You cannot have full employment of everyone with capitalism. It's based completely off of scarcity. So that means that you're going to have a section of your population who's always going to be at the bottom. And where it counts is what are we going to do with those people who are, like, inevitably going to be there? It's not that they chose to be there. It's not that they're lazy. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're evil people. They are the people that pulled the short straw in this free market that we decided was going to run our nation. So, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to kind of, I want to ask. So, whenever I was watching, um, when I was watching Drugs, Inc., this drug dealer, he said that he, he had been in the drug business for about 30 years, okay? Been doing this for 30 years. He said... He never had a problem selling drugs until white people started doing them even more. So police didn't come around. He, you know, there wasn't drug raids. There wasn't any type of that until it was a problem. Drugs were a problem in the white communities. So my question is, is do you guys think that, um, do you think that now that, Drugs have hit hard, like Adderall has now hit, you know, teenagers and things like that in the white communities that now all of a sudden police are like, oh, we got to figure out what's going on and fix this issue, even though drugs have been going on for forever, basically. I mean, they already had the war on drugs. I feel like it's just been amped up now because, you know, uh, Trump, what did Trump say? He said he was going to get these big uh, head drug dealers and charge them with life, get them life in prison. Some of them get death penalty. Like, he, he's been going hard on it, and I can, I can believe that to be true because we know, you know white folks are in power, and if more white people are getting affected by that, more middle class to rich white people, then that's affecting their family. So they're going to go harder on it, you know. I mean, it's just common sense. So I can definitely see seeing that being true. Um, right. Well, yeah. Well, it's really difficult to uncouple classism and racism. And what I'm starting to learn is that in this country, for a very long time, it, this country has done all it, all it can to couple poverty with people of color. Like if you look at, you look at how the, all these welfare programs came about. Like I was, I'm reading a, a book about, well, like the creation of these welfare programs how they were never meant for black people. That's because 
That's because these programs, like, because black people are always, see, like, again, with this morality mentality, black people are lazy. Like, that's why they're in this position. That's why we need to police them, because they don't know any better. They're dumb. They don't have any agency in themselves. We have to do this because they are intrinsically and naturally um, prone to this behavior. Like, I don't, I think that a lot of people let Bill Clinton administration go completely off the hook. And they let the Democratic Party, period, go completely off the hook. Bill Clinton and the Democratic Party have pushed some of the worst drug-related crime bills in the history of this nation. Mm-hmm. Like, when Bill Clinton decided to go to the right and go to conservative, like, there's a whole, I don't think a lot, like, I don't think a lot of people look back at his campaign when he originally ran for president. He ran on a whole platform of, we got to take care of these niggers because they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. We need to fucking, the only way we can do that is to, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. We need to throw them in jail. Like, people don't remember that the three strikes you're out rule, that was a Democratic push legislation. Mm-hmm. Like, the DLP didn't come up with that shit. And... I mean, like, it's it's telling that Trump would have this sentiment considering how close he was with the Clintons in New York City. Like, I think that people need to not just be like, oh, well, Trump is saying all these fucked up shit, but, like, legitimately grapple with the fact that our political elite have been fucking us for a very long time. Something needs to change. And just because you have a D next to your name doesn't mean that you're my ally. I mean, why has it happened that people thought Bill Clinton was just so down with the blacks? I mean, yeah, he was on Arsenio Hall and stuff like that. And he, they had, uh, who did he have? Maya Angelou wrote, read a poem during his election. But why do people forget the policies? Well, because people don't pay attention to the policies in the first place. Nope. And in all like, if you really look at it, we make that same mistake today. Like, fucking homie, but old director of the FBI, he gets fired. This man is not a, a friend of any black mm-hmm. But he takes one picture with two motherfuckers from Wu-Tang Clan. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> he's, you know, every black person's best friend. And it's like, but that's because there's strong ignorance. People don't, people don't want to pay attention to politics. People don't want to pay attention to policy. Like, all that shit, trust me. I sit here, I do it because I'm a masochist. And I, find this shit interesting mm-hmm. but people don't want to sit down and legitimately read what these people are pushing for people don't want to legitimately look back and see who it is we're talking to and and it's it's very easy like all bill clinton had to do is play saxophone on our city hall but uh-huh. the fact that he acknowledged the fact that he acknowledged black people the first played a saxophone yeah. yes instantaneously <laughs> didn't have to do shit you know what i'm saying and in and in return for that, he decimated black communities, yep. and nobody holds him accountable for it. You know, people want to complain about what what Trump is doing as far as deportation. Obama set the stage and laid the groundwork for him to have the ability to do it. And yep. if we really have a problem with these policies, if we really have a problem with how this country treats its people who are sick, mentally ill, or addicted to drugs. We have to deal with all of it. You can't just play, you know, this fucking football team mentality shit where it's like, oh, people on my jerseys, I'm not going to criticize or I'm not going to address 
it's you guys who did it. It's like, no, all these motherfuckers are screwing us. And I agree, is yeah. Gonna, yeah. Nothing's going to change unless we address that. And, and I think that's why a lot of stuff just will refuse. That's why stuff just will not get done. Especially when you think about, uh, oh, the Democratic Party. Oh, Lord. They have mastered it. They have mastered just being a face and saying the right stuff. And then when you get in there, not doing it. And I think Trump actually, he, he took some of that with them. That's why when he when he campaigned, he was like, well, I'm for the little guy now. I'm for the coal miner dude. I'm for the guy that's working all these jobs, this, that, and the other. While Meanwhile, the dude's, uh, uh, quote, unquote, calls himself a billionaire, has never been poor in his life, don't even know how to relate, hasn't passed a thing yet to help these folks. But he campaigned on that, and he, he aligned himself with those people in order to get their votes, just like the Democratic Party has. And now, because politics is so divided, it's like you can't, criticize somebody that is on your party line without being called a traitor or without being silenced or stuff like that and so stuff just will not happen because if you try to try to critique what's going on then you get shut down so we could be we could be calling out these democratic people who have said they're for legalization of marijuana or whatever and aren't making sure that our folks are getting out of jail for these crimes. Or we can just complain about it on Twitter and say it's Trump's fault and the Republicans <laughs> and nothing will ever get done. And that, I think that's just what's going to happen that, now. I think that's that's kind of I think that's exactly where we're we're at right now is just saying, oh, this is Trump's fault. Oh, this is so and so's fault. Like, let's just continue to blame the Republicans for all of our problems. When in actuality, these same Democrats that are or liberals, too, that are reposting things on Twitter and reposting things on Facebook are the same ones that are causing the, the issues are contributing to, you know, racism, classism and sexism. Like, they're even all trash. I it's mean, just we just trash. gotta. We have to be able to to criticize everybody. I mean, yeah. if you want stuff to change, you can't just be complacent because you like where where they stand on certain issues. So we we gotta call right. them out, y'all. And it, I feel like because I remember my dad telling me like whenever the previous election was going on, he kept telling me he was like, "Well, forever, you've just always picked the 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 lesser evil." But I don't think we have to. We have to stop getting in that same mentality of picking the lesser evil and pick someone who's not evil. Well, that's exactly. hard to find. But that takes yeah, that's really that takes work. It, yeah, it's not. It, but it's not. It takes work, and I think that a lot of people, like we as citizens, have dropped the ball, and we have allowed ourselves to be taken away by these careless whispers that our politicians give us. And I don't think we as citizens are prepared to actually put in the work. Like, the the DNC and the Democratic race in 2016 was very, very telling. Mm-hmm. A lot of people at the Democratic Party allowed themselves to sacrifice the principles that they supposedly say they stand by as Democrats mm-hmm. on the name of possibly winning. Yep. Despite the fact that writing was on the wall, like, everybody wants a populist fucking candidate. Like, that's why Trump won. Yep. And we had that, that and Bernie Sanders, for better or for worse. And I don't agree with every policy that Bernie Sanders had, but he was the only populist-minded politician in that. Yep. And what I've seen, in, especially in the Democratic Party, is they shelter those people. They block them. 
it made it impossible for Bernie to run. They made it impossible for D like for candidates or not candidates, but um, delegates within the DNC that were on Bernie's side to actually win. When it came like all of a sudden that year, super delegates were a thing. Mm. And all those super delegates just so happened to be in favor of Hillary Clinton. But that wasn't the case when Barack Obama ran. And, you know, when you look every, even before Bernie Sanders decided to run, everybody wanted Elizabeth Warren to be the person that ran. She's also very popular, like she has very populist rhetoric and and not just rhetoric, but her policies are also very populist. And they basically shunned her. And it's like, these, a lot of groups in America are being neglected. Like the reason why all these blue collar white workers went to Trump is because they were neglected. Like I, I remember like a lot of people complain about Roseanne, right? Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, there was an episode of Roseanne where this Republican um, politician goes to Roseanne's house and tries to convince her to vote Republican. And she has this whole diatribe about how he needs to go fuck himself because this is a union family. And oh. for a very long time. Oh, I remember that episode. Right. And unions were connected to blue collar and to Democrats. And this is prior to Bill Clinton. But then when Bill Clinton helped to change the course of Democrats to move away from these people, then all of their concerns are neglected. They don't have unions anymore. Mm. They're not union people. The unions were taken away. So you have all these people who are suffering loudly. Nobody wants to pay attention to them. And along comes this fucking Chester Cheeto motherfucker who's saying all the right things, saying yep. everything that you felt, identifying all of your anger that you've had for decades, and highlighting the very problem that you've been talking about. Like the second that Donald Trump started talking about free trade and NAFTA, he was going to win. Because that's the one thing that has seriously affected these people. And even though they might be ignorant in some ways, they know that once NAFTA was passed, that's what hurt them. And that's a reflection of free markets and capitalism. That's a reflection of this country not preparing itself for the inevitability of these people losing their fucking jobs. In order to really tackle these issues, like we said, people are addicted because of sometimes mental illness. Well, okay, we got to put money in, back into mental health and getting people help that they need for their mental illness or people are doing it because of lack of jobs okay we got to put in economic policies to make sure people at least can have a living wage or people are depressed because there's no opportunity okay we got to put get job get people job like there's so much to do that folks don't want to do that it's easier to just throw folks in jail and then they make money off of it as well because the prisons are privatized or whatever and you know it's a win-win for them but we have to we have to we have to speak up about it and we have to say something and we can't be we can't be back in the 80s and 70s the, the war on drugs is a big money making scheme we know that's not going to work so we can't be putting people in place that are pushing for oh we just get more police and uh lock them up let's that's not going to work we got to find folks that are actually Thinking out more strategic plans to help the people and not just lock them up because this this is a mess. So do better. Right. We need. We also need to legitimately change how we culturally feel about our poor, about our people. Like we need to stop thinking of these situations as morality things. And I understand it. It's really easy if everybody's suffering. It's easier to 
to punch the poor person next to you than it is to go against the oligarch that's keeping all of us down. Like, it's easier to go, oh, it's those fucking Mexicans over there, and that's why I don't have a job. Instead of being like, oh, well, it's this fucking trade policy that has enabled our corporations to leave us. Like, it's harder to do that. So we need to, we need to change how we feel about each other and how we see each other if we're going to really fix anything. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, hopefully we can, hopefully we started a conversation with you guys. If you have any comments, if you have anything you would like to add, hit us up on our social medias. Facebook.com slash talk it out podcast, Instagram.com slash talk it out podcast, or Twitter.com slash talk it out underscore pod. What do you guys think? Do you think drugs should be decriminalized? Do you think that um, people should be held accountable for things they've said in the past? Let us know. Um, and make sure you hit up Haven at her social medias. Go and plug yourself one more time, please. You guys can find me. Uh, bitching and moaning on Twitter at Ives underscore of underscore Haven. And stay tuned for my podcast, Where It Counts, where you can find that on SoundCloud, I believe. Where It Counts. Yes. Make sure you do it. Also, don't forget, y'all, we still running that pad and tampon drive. Um, hit us up. Talk it out. No, PayPal.me slash talk it out. Cash out dollar sign. Talk it out podcast. Donate to that. Going on through May 25th. Good stuff, and I think that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for listening, for the support every every week. Uh, we love you guys so much. This has been your girl Gabby and Katie and Haven. Hi guys, thank you for the conversation. Oh, thank you for coming on. And this has been Talk It Out Podcast. Talk it out. Yahoo.